When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could with stories I picked up along the way. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, and today going to uh, talk about an event in Jesus' life that I feel most close to him, probably more than any other event. And um, yeah, I might even record a song that I wrote um, about that night, and I'll put it at the end. This is one of the most mysterious texts of scripture for me in that it sheds light on a moment in Jesus' life where he was in many ways, or at least how I feel, uh, most human, most like us. In the moments before uh, he is betrayed in the garden, before they hustle him off to these trials in the middle of the night, He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, The anguish he's experiencing there as he wrestles with these questions. And he says, we know from the gospel accounts, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that has become a meditation for Christians ever since Jesus said those words. And I've often thought about that moment in his life as he experiences the depths of human anguish. And here, the writer of Hebrews comments on that experience for Jesus. Uh, The one test of why a book should be in the New Testament uh, was not, is it a great book? Do we like it? Um, Is it a real page turner? The one criteria that all the books of the New Testament were, um, were tested against is, do they have a connection to the apostles? Do they carry apostolic authority? One of the apostles wrote it or dictated it or the influence of that apostle was so strong on the people that wrote it that you could trace it to an apostle. And the book of Hebrews is no exception to that. The book of Hebrews is connected to the apostle's authority. Now, it's hard to say which apostle because the book of Hebrews doesn't say. And there's like... 25 different theories, and you probably have one, and I have one, on who wrote it. But there is apostolic authority here, and that means that somebody who wrote this heard either firsthand accounts or themselves were there in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were there. They were there when Jesus said, will you not watch with me one hour? And then he went off a stone's throw away while they slept, and he experienced this kind of anguish. And I don't know how the apostles reflected on that moment as they lived the rest of their lives. Many of them lived a long time and thought about their friend and teacher there in agony in the garden. And so this is that reflection that we have recorded. And the only real place it's it's recorded um, in this kind of way. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Have you ever offered up loud cries and tears to God? If you have, you know what this is like. When there's nothing you can do, when there doesn't seem to be a lot of options, where where the choices you thought you had have been taken away, when you've experienced loss and heartache and grief and failure and 
despair and some through our own fault and some through the faults of others. Uh, the only thing we can do often in that situation is to offer loud cries, prayers, supplications, and tears. And I've done that, and I know you have too. And that is what Jesus does. And here in this one moment, we connect with him on this level of human reality, that we do cry here on this planet, that we do suffer, that we have supplications and prayers and loud cries even. That is what it means to be fully human. And that is what Jesus goes through for us in this garden. And then the writer says something that I've always, I don't know what it means. And you can decide for yourself what this means. He says, he offers these loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, the father. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So in some way, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane was answered in some way. Let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not thy will, not my will, but thine be done. In some way, his prayer was answered. And I don't know how his prayer was answered. He certainly had to go through what he went through, the scourging, the beating, the false accusations, the crucifixion his death. He went through all that. But in some way, in this moment of obedience to God, in this moment of suffering, God heard him and saved him in that garden. And this is what the author is trying to say here. He's trying to say that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, this isn't something you can put on anybody else, and I can't put it on you. I can't say, oh, I'm glad you're suffering. Uh, maybe you'll learn a little obedience to God. Um, that is not how Christians should behave. We don't go around prescribing this kind of stuff for each other. And I hope you don't do that for me. At the very, at the very same time, Christians know that since Jesus went through this kind of stuff and things happened to him that changed him, that made him a better high priest for us, made us a better, better savior for us, according to the author of Hebrews, that that same thing will happen to us as well. When we go through these moments, the dark night of the soul, where it's always three o'clock in the morning, when we don't know if the sun will rise. It's in those moments that we learn the deepest treasures of our spiritual lives. This is where we learn it. This is where Jesus learned it. And if you take exception to me saying Jesus learned something, um, that's what the author of Hebrews says he did. Um, Holy Scripture does not have a static, unemotional, unfeeling, distant God. Uh, Holy Scripture describes God with lots of emotions, lots of feelings, lots of experiences, lots of backs and forths and changes of mind and all sorts of other things. This is the God we experience in Jesus Christ, a God who knows us deeply, even this part of us, the part that suffers. And he's been made perfect and become a source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. It is through his obedience that he becomes the high priest that we can trust. And so it's through our obedience to God that we experience that blessing. Um, 
a number of years ago, I went to a confirmation service um, at St. Matthew's. Where it was our first confirmand uh, that came through this little church. Um, we went over there for their big confirmation service. And while we were there, um, Bishop K. Ryan, our bishop, was there in one of her first confirmation services. It was like one of the first ones she did. And she said to the people about to be confirmed, she said, you know, it's one thing to make Jesus your savior and to say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Um, it's another thing to make Jesus your Lord. And I know those two are pretty much the same thing for most of us, but confirmation, this grown-up choosing to follow Jesus, is to give your, and the problem, with, she said, of giving, making Jesus your Lord, or the problem for many, for maybe me, is that you have to give your will over to another. You have to be willing to give your will to God. That part of you that makes all the decisions, the part of you that trusts or doesn't trust, that part of you being given to God to say, God, I'm yours. I want to do and follow what you want me to do and follow. And that is really difficult, um, especially as a grown-up. It's hard to do that. Um, Jesus knew that. And it's what Jesus did. So whatever you're doing in following God, Jesus has already done it. He's already been there. And that's why he's designated by God, according to the author of Hebrews, to be a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. And then he says, about this, we have much to say that is hard to explain since you have all become dull in understanding. Not a very complimentary author. <laughs> um, as a writer, you want to butter up your audience, you know, and say nice things about them. Um, but the author of Hebrews is teaching here. And he wants, and the author of Hebrews, um, I say he, but... I'm assuming they're pronouns. Uh, the author of Hebrews wants you to know that there is a lot more to say about this. And the author of Hebrews will say more about it later. But that also shows that, you know, we're not always ready for everything just yet. And when we see another person that's on a different place in their spiritual journey, wherever that is, maybe the right response is patience. And we don't have to explain everything to everybody all the time. That's not our job as Christians to make sure everybody's right like we are. Our job as Christians is to witness to the one who saved us, the one whom we follow, the one who experienced the agony of the Garden of Gethsemane, the agony of the cross, the suffering of that moment, and rose victorious from the grave. That is who Christians witness to. That's what we're supposed to be out there doing in the world. Amen. O God, who hast made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and did send thy blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near, grant that people everywhere may seek after thee and find thee. Bring the nations into thy fold, pour out thy Spirit upon all flesh, and hasten the coming of thy kingdom. Through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. only son had one night in a garden long ago he prayed to you to let it pass he prayed to let you know you heard his cry and you heard his plea and you calmly watched him die and now my father can't you see 
that every night's Gethsemane. Cause every night I beg and plead, let this cup pass from me. And every night you turn away and you pretend that you didn't see. It's darker now than it's ever been. It's the year's longest night. And I'm still down here on my knees praying for dawn's early light. Every night without the whiskey is another that I have to face. What I've lost and who I've hurt and the emptiness of grace. If I had an honest clock, I'd wind it back three years. And I would have my family here in dishonest Gethsemane. Cause every night I wrestle you in the grid of Jabbok shores. You try to run, I don't let go, I keep coming back for more. If you want to run away, you better bless me right because i'm here down here on my knees praying for dawn's early light in my dreams i stand condemned by a judge with golden hair she looks at me and she tells the truth and that she doesn't care Mm -hmm. If she knew where I'd been and what I had to do, she would smile and set me free. And I could leave Gethsemane. Cause every night I beg and plead, let this cup pass from me. And every night you turn away and you pretend that you didn't see. It's darker now than it's ever been. It's the year's longest night. And I'm still down here on my knees praying for dawn's early light. <laughs>